Hey everybody, welcome to The Wake Up. Here's the latest from Hollywood, the media biz, and social platforms here on Monday, June 29th, 2020. With the entire summer movie schedule essentially doing a three-week push, and ABC, ICM, Facebook, the Turner Networks, and the Beebs, all in the headlines, accompanied of course by a check-in with my favorite non-alcoholic beer, Athletic Brewing. And a happy birthday goes out to my niece. Really hope you like my gift, and uh, if not, it was your mom's idea. And now over to Hollywood. In a move that probably nobody found surprising, Disney announced that Mulan will now come out on Friday, August 21st, roughly a week after Tenet. Solstice also moved their Russell Crowe Road Rage movie Unhinged from July 10th to the 31st. And Bill and Ted 3 also moved to August 28th. So the 2020 summer movie season is now back to kicking off with Tenet on August 12th with a caveat for Russell Crowe on July 31st, and is pretty much an exact mirror of the previous plan from July, uh, for now. Neon has picked up the U.S. rights to the Kristen Stewart as Princess Diana movie, Spencer. That one focuses on the time frame where Princess Di decided to leave her marriage to Prince Charles. Neon paid north of $4 million for those U.S. rights, according to Deadline. The movie is slated to begin shooting early next year. Following the news last week about voice cast changes on the animated series Big Mouth and Central Park, The Simpsons announced that white voice actors will no longer play non-white characters. Hank Azaria had already said that he won't play Apu anymore earlier this year, but the other prominent characters of color, Dr. Hibbert and Carl Carlson, among others, were also voiced by white actors. And over at Family Guy, Cleveland will no longer be voiced by white actor Mike Henry either. And in looking at the core cast of many animated shows, it really seems to be dominated by white talent, so I don't think this will be the last time we'll be hearing about this in the animated TV and film world. Jason Reitman is directing a shot-at-home remake of The Princess Bride for Quibi, with Common as Wesley, Tiffany Haddish as Princess Buttercup, and Hugh Jackman as Humperdinck. That's according to Vanity Fair. Other names involved include John Hamm, Jennifer Garner, Keegan-Michael Key, and Chris Pine. Chapters are going to be released daily on Quibi for the next two weeks starting today. Disney has commissioned a female-led Pirates of the Caribbean script. Or is that Caribbean? I can never remember. Birds of Prey writer Christina Hodson is going to write it, and Harley Quinn herself, Margot Robbie, is attached to star. This is in addition to a separate reboot of the franchise that's already in development, according to The Hollywood Reporter. NBC is joining the stay-at-home programming genre. They've ordered an eight-episode comedy that'll be shot remotely called Connecting. That's about friends trying to stay close over video chat. Eh, Sorry, can't relate. That one's from Blindspot creator Martin Garrow, according to The Trades. NBC hopes to premiere the show in September and joins the ranks of other stay-at-home scripted series at Netflix and Freeform, as well as the Jay Roach special at HBO. Elsewhere in TV, Lena Waithe's BET show 20s got picked up for a second season. And LeBron's Spring Hill Entertainment signed a two-year production deal with Disney Television, according to the trades. They previously had a deal at Warner Brothers Television, which ended about a year ago. Over in the executive suite... ICM is laying off about 40 support staff, according to the trades. The talent agency is restructuring their staff, raising assistant pay to 20 bucks an hour, and setting a goal of hiring diverse candidates for half of open positions going forward. Over at Turner, Tom Hinkle, the head of originals at TNT, TBS, and True TV, is leaving, according to the trades. A new destination was not announced, and his two SVPs have been promoted to jointly head up programming for the networks. 
And a rest in peace goes out to Stuart Kornfeld, who was Ben Stiller's longtime production partner at Red Hour for almost two decades, producing everything from Zoolander to Tropic Thunder. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Stuart died of cancer at the age of 67 over the weekend. Next up, over to the media biz and social platforms. With a dive into the numbers behind the increasing Facebook advertiser boycotts, Justin Bieber fights back hard against claims of sexual assault. And today's pop quiz. Ben Stiller made his cinematic directorial debut with Reality Bites, of course. But what was the second movie he directed? The answer after a break for a non-alcoholic beer from Athletic Brewing. And while beer may not be part of your everyday diet, Athletic's non-alcoholic brews make it a really smart addition, especially on a Monday when you're probably not looking to have alcohol, but we all know there's nothing better than an ice-cold beer to relax with on a hot summer night. Or if you're like me and have shifted your outdoor exercise to the afternoon, even better. Athletic's Golden Ale is the perfect choice. Super refreshing, made with all organic malt, and it's just 50 calories. They ship to all 50 states, and my orders usually arrive within a few days. Plus, if you order two six-packs or more, your shipping's free. Go to athleticbrewing.com shop and get your free shipping today when you buy 12 beers or more. Plus, if you're watching your gluten, the Golden Ale is gluten-removed, lab-tested to under five parts per million. So go get your free shipping today when you buy 12 beers or more. Athleticbrewing.com shop. The direct link is conveniently in the show notes. And now the answer to today's pop quiz... Ben Stiller's second directorial outing was Jim Carrey's first $20 million payday, The Cable Guy, back in 1996. It was produced by Judd Apatow and written by a guy named Lou Holtz Jr., whose only career writing credit was this movie. Now over to the media biz and social platforms. More advertisers have pulled their Facebook advertising budgets. Honda is pulling their Facebook ad spend for the month of July in the U.S. Hershey is cutting their Facebookstagram ad spend, sure, that's a term, uh, by a third for the rest of the year. Coke has suspended all of their social media buying for at least the next 30 days. Starbucks is pausing their social media platform ad spending as well, though no indication was given as to how long. And Unilever, the conglomerate that runs a wide range of brands from Q-Tips to Klondike to Axe Body Spray and Lipton. Thankfully, those last two have never done a collaboration. Uh, Anyway, Unilever announced they're pulling their ad spend on Facebook, Instagram, as well as Twitter through the end of the year. Unilever spent $42 million on Facebook advertising alone last year, according to CNN, who also notes that of Facebook's top 100 brands by advertiser spend, only three are on the do not spend list so far. Unilever, REI, and Verizon, although it's possible Starbucks is a fourth. And the total amount that the top 100 brands spent on Facebook last year totaled $4.2 billion, which is roughly only 5% of Facebook's ad revenue last year, which basically highlights just how much small and medium-sized businesses drive revenue for Facebook and not these big-name advertisers. The Verge's Casey Newton also pointed out, however, that these announcements conveniently dovetail with many companies already slashing their ad budgets this summer due to the coronavirus-plagued economy. These companies also haven't put forth any specific demands or policy changes that they want to see Facebook enact. Choosing to make broader pronouncements about wanting Facebook to do better, policing hate speech and blatantly false content. Zuckerberg did announce on Friday that posts from politicians containing information around voting will have a label added to them, directing users to authoritative sources on voting information. Although that didn't really seem to do much in terms of the boycotts. 
One final note, New York Times tech columnist Kevin Roos pointed out on Twitter that the third most shared Facebook post on Friday was something claiming that Black Lives Matter's demonstrators vandalized a Vietnam veteran memorial. However, not only was the photo from 2016, it had nothing to do with Black Lives Matter. So until Facebook finds a way to stop these dumpster fires, uh, any advertiser on the platform is risking being associated with said content. Speaking of falsehoods on the internet, Justin Bieber is taking his own action against it. He's bringing respective $10 million lawsuits against two women who accused him of sexual assault via their Twitter accounts, according to Variety. He's denied the accusations and already offered evidence that he wasn't even at the locations where the women said the incidents occurred in 2014 and 2015, and one of the Twitter accounts has already deleted itself. In today's programming notes, uh, nothing new on TV or the OTT, but Beyonce announced she is launching a, quote, visual album on Disney Plus July 31st called Black is King. She wrote and directed the project, which is taking inspiration from The Lion King. But let's finish up with that pretty killer open last night to the BET Awards, the 2020 version of Fight the Power. If you would, please subscribe to the podcast if you do not already. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, give a rating for this free podcast or maybe a share on the LinkedIn. Have a great day, everybody. I'll see you tomorrow. The information age got him seeing what's really wrong with these racist days. I honor the strong and pity the weak. Your thoughts run your life. Be careful what you think. Haiti beat France in Century 17. Salute Tucson and Dessaline.